2: Go behind the scenes and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Alienware.
0: alienware.com
1: slash deals that's alienware.com slash deals tax season is approaching bringing potential extra cash your way
2: rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan consider switching to metro by t-mobile from no contracts no credit checks no surprises and Well, if you are listening to this, the day it comes out, Happy New Year. This is well-earned. This is the um, very last show of the year for this calendar, for this calendar system. And we wanted to, we wanted to take time to, um, to do something a little bit different. Uh, I guess first we should, <laughs> we should talk about this episode. Oh, these sweet kids that we were. A while back, you guys, Matt, Noel, we we did an episode on Prophecy, Predictions, and Prescience. Yeah, this episode came out on January 1st, 2016. Ah,
1: we were such uh, naive summer children back then. (laughs) Oh, how things
0: have changed.
2: Yes, (laughs) yeah. We, like everybody listening, did not really understand, or as some of our friends would say, grok, what the future would hold. And um, just to be completely transparent now, which is what this show is about, uh, I've alluded to our personal lives to varying degrees in the course of our explorations together. Um, In November of this year, my mother, Susan Bolin, passed away unexpectedly. Um, Like a lot of people listening in the crowd today, uh, it was not my first rodeo with death. And like everybody listening, it won't be my last. I've seen a lot of people go. I've been there, unfortunately. And this was a, a peaceful passing, as peaceful as these things can be. Uh, but I bring this up only because it's it's a matter of family, and we have all lost people uh, more so now than we we thought we might have in 2016. You know, uh, this show is, to me at least, not to speak for. You guys, Matt and Noel, but this is uh, one of the most important things I've ever done. And when we say that you are, you know, the most important part of the show, sometimes it may feel like we say it like a cliche, but what that really means is that in a very real way, um, you are our family too. Uh, Matt and Noel were kind enough to be able to make it to the funeral service for my mother. we had to sit through a terrible Statler Brothers song, <laughs> but <laughs> I love that. And was um, great. And so I wanted to thank everybody, and more importantly, just to say, you know, we can't find any proof of predictions and prophecies that really come to pass. Spoiler alert! But what we can do is be here for each other. So if you are going through something, if you need someone to talk to. At least on my end, I want you to know you can reach out to me personally. Um, I'm terrified of phones, so please don't call me. But you can find me uh, anywhere on the Internet. You can find our show on the Internet as well. And I want to thank you, uh, you guys, Noel and Matt, for uh, giving me the space to say this. And for our fellow conspiracy realists, seriously, take me up if you ever need someone to talk to. Ben Bullen HSW on Twitter, at Ben Bullen on Instagram. But that's that's my bit. That's my TED talk. What about you guys? Into your statements?
1: Well, I'd offer the same thing, but you'll never find me on social media. So it's always changing it
2: up, this guy.
1: You know, (laughs) a new handle every week. You're like the
0: kids on Instagram. You know, I mean, it's it's just hard to pin you down. Um, same here. You can, you can find me on at, uh, how now Noel Brown on Instagram. Um, and just want to echo this family sentiment. I mean, you can't spend this much time with two, uh, of the best dudes in the universe and not feel like brothers. Uh, and, uh, I'm an only child and I've never really had a brother, you know, at least biologically, but you guys are the closest thing that I have had or ever will have. And I love you both dearly.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would actually, uh, extend that to... Mission Control, Paul Deccant, who's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm looking at his face right now on our mm-hmm. screen. He's always there, always in the background, always listening, never judging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually never judging.
0: <laughs> he he <sometimes laughs> makes a face. You see him make a face every now and
1: then. But, uh, and Alexis, codename Doc Holliday, uh, it's, it's the same. It, we, we're all a, one big family here. And it goes back through, through, you know, when Noel was a producer, when we had Alex around here. We get uh, Seth Johnson every once in a while just like our cousins coming to visit or something. And um, you don't toil away at the research like we do and then come in here and have these conversations. And, you know, we're, we we try and be very careful with our thoughts and words when we're in here, and it's because we have you in mind. We are, we're imagining you uh, and, and speaking with you. And, you know, we, we don't take that lightly. Um, and we, we very much appreciate the time that you spend with us. So uh thank you. And I would just say, you know, happy new year. Let's try and make this next one not suck as much. I know we said that about 2021. Oh, every uh, time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh no, you're right. You're right, Matt. That's what that's what we can bring in this classic episode we thought would be interesting to, to share with everyone because we talk about famous alleged prophets, Nostradamus, Edgar Casey, Baba Vanga. Um, and we talk about something that people have been trying to do for a long long time which is to have some sort of perspective on or even control over the chaos and uncertainty that the coming years or days will bring one thing we can say for certain is that we being so immensely fortunate to be part of this show we we all uh <laughs> we we all know predictions are a little silly And I don't know about you guys, but when we have, we've talked before about making a prediction episode and it's just playing with live fire. Uh, But I think we can safely say um, uh, one of the last things my mom actually said to me, which is, we'll get through this together. You're here. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. And today I am Ben. Most importantly, you are you, which makes this stuff they don't want you to know. At least we hope you're feeling like yourself. And if you're feeling like someone else, well, it's nice to talk to that person, too. Uh, we have a very special announcement as we begin the show today. We are, I believe, we are the last show recording for the year 2015. We're on the cusp, gentlemen.
1: That is correct. As long as we finish after Jonathan finishes his session, that's happening simultaneously. Theoretically. Yes. Theoretically.
2: Yes. Which means that by the time you hear this, it will be 2016. So, uh, there's something that we would like to wish you guys. Uh, good luck. A merry new, new order day. Oh, what? That what? Mary New Order Day is this thing Nolan and I started. We
0: started it. It hasn't quite taken off
2: yet. Well, it was more like it's more. You're more the visionary of it. You're the Walter uh, White.
0: I'm kind of wood chopping it. I, I don't know if I'm ready to trot it out to the okay. masses quite yet. I feel right. as though I jumped the gun in, in dropping that slogan. Apologies to
2: everyone. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is the one time of year where ball dropping is not only cool, but a television event. So, Happy New Year to you guys. So, uh, today, uh, whether or not we are the last podcast of 2015, we are definitely the first podcast for Stuff They Don't Want You Know, 2016. And today, we are talking about something that's somewhat apropos is that correct
1: yes we're talking about prophets and the seeing into the future and predicting things that are to come maybe
2: perhaps yes an idea that goes back to the earliest days of religion right Uh, the oracle of delphi uh where wherein These priestesses would sit over a fissure in the earth on a, on a tripod kind of stool and breathe in the fumes from this fissure and whisper predictions about what was to come.
1: That's a, that is a very cool image. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could have seen that.
2: Right. Uh, Funny story about the uh, famous oracles at Delphi is that the, Predictions or mutterings of these priestesses were interpreted yes. by their uh <laughs> or As the we'll find, yeah,
1: this is a commonality that we'll see uh, among different prophets.
2: And I should note that the people who were performing these acts of divination, those were the specifically the oracles. So the English word prophecy appears in Europe in the mid-1200s, 12, 1220-ish. Uh, and it comes from the French, uh, the 12th century word prophecy. So you can see where they're connected. This goes all the way back to, uh, the Greek. Um, this comes from a word that's prophema, which means to say beforehand, to, to foretell. Uh, so what, what we see is that even before then, people had been making predictions, right? It's, well, yeah,
1: it's a fun yeah. thing to do, right, to just for an everyday human being, all of you sitting in your cars or whatever you're doing, running. It's kind of fun to think what is going to happen in the next five years, maybe the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. And just for somebody who doesn't even have any kind of powers or, you know, is in touch with some greater thing. Uh, it, I like to do it. I like to sit around and go, oh, man, I can see this happening with the next world war. So is there is there
0: a connection, Ben, between the word prophecy and the idea of prophecy foretelling the future and the idea of, like, professing something or speaking right. out about something or being a professor, for example, like someone who teaches?
2: You no, know, uh, Noel, that's, that's a, an interesting question because the idea of a prophet, not necessarily prophecy, but prophet itself, is sort of one who speaks for the gods. Mm-hmm. So it does have the to speak for, Right. Uh, So professor would be more like declare publicly, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, So there is a relationship there, but I don't know if a professor is necessarily speaking for God or by divine inspiration. Have and, you guys ever and-
1: seen a prophetic professor, like on the streets, walking around in a city?
2: Uh yeah there is a there is a group of people now who are um pamphleting the streets regarding cell phone use and cancer mm-hmm. and uh the WHO World Health Organization but what I was going to say though is I don't want to misle uh you listeners by thinking that prophecy is a western thing it should go without saying but we're going to say it anyway to be fair that prophecy exists it probably predates writing because one of the earliest things that man tried to do or humankind tried to do rather, uh, would be to forecast the movements of the heavens and to see if there were any, um, correlation between the movements of the sky and the movements on the ground. And most of the earliest civilizations, many of which have been lost to time, were oral traditions. So this had to exist before the Western world, I mean, we can't be that, you know, Western centric, uh, but the stuff we're going to hear about usually concerns the Western world. And we'd like to take a look at several world famous prophets today. This is our, this is our kind of our prediction show too, huh guys?
0: I was going to add that, you know, speaking of, of not being originated in the Western world necessarily, I mean, I was thinking about um, the idea of, like, casting bones or, like, looking at, you know, entrails and things like that and yeah. trying to figure out what the future is. And I was just looking up um oracle bones. Apparently that goes as far back as, like, the Shang Dynasty, mm-hmm. Um which was uh, around 1122 B.C. And so mm-hmm. they found, you know, examples of these oracle bones that were used to kind of, like, see into the future and oh, things yeah. like looking into flames, you know, for for example.
2: Yeah. That's divination rituals. That's, that's great. I wonder if that would also make um, almost a, a separate show on its own too, because, you know, reading the, the liver or yeah. the entrails of a goat or the tea leaves, you know, the tea leaves, of course. Uh, and, oh, there are so many other different methods. And one of which, if you live in the U S you may be surprised to find, is still practiced today in the modern age. Can anyone guess what it is, listeners? We'll give you a chance. You guys are. I would know.
1: think it was the Palms. The what? Reading of Palms
2: or Tarot. Oh, it's Groundhog Day. It's oh. the one everyone participates in. Yeah. it's funny. Even though it's completely bunk.
1: Did I ever tell you I have several members of my family who lived in Punxsutawney?
2: No, you didn't. Woo!
1: Yeah. Do they still call him Punxsutawney Phil? Or do they, do they give him a new name? I, I don't... Or is it don't. like the
0: Georgia Bulldogs bulldog when it <laughs> dies? They just give add a number to it. Like
1: I'm pretty sure... Okay, wow. Well, I'm going to... I might be completely incorrect. The last time I was there, it was still Punxsutawney Phil, mm-hmm. and it was not the original.
2: Right. Oh, but, yeah. It's like the Marlboro Man, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or Zorro's. Uh, so... Let's let's get a few things out of the way before we delve into this. If you've already checked out our video on prophecy, then you know some of what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to mention some specific alleged prophets or would-be prophets or people who thought they were prophets. And then we're also going to look at some of the stuff they said, or again, allegedly said, and whether it, it measures up. Uh, so first things first. One of the big questions that you might have is, well, if there are true prophets and if there are true specific, uh, prognostications or whatever of future events, then why do these future events occur if they're still disasters? If someone says the Titanic is going to sink.
1: Yeah. Somebody's going to stop that from happening. Right. Because now we know.
2: Right. Or do we? And why is, uh, why is it, uh, what's the old? Quotation: We see through the glass darkly, or something. Why? Why does so much of what is called prophecy seem to be kind of vague? I mean, not to mention like time travel tropes in books and
0: television. I mean, you can't do it. You can't keep Hitler from being born. You know, you can't keep Kennedy from being assassinated. It's never going to work. Something's always going to crop up against you, and you're going to fail. You mm-hmm.
2: know? Yeah, like that. That's a that's a perfect point too. You know, what is the nature of the present's relationship with the future, right? Is it is it possible? There's a great thing in um a Stephen King book, and I know Stephen King is divisive for some people, but he wrote this book about someone who tries to go back in time and stop the Kennedy assassination. Right. That's
0: what I was mentioning reference right? for
2: sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a great line in there where he says the past is obdurate, mm-hmm. which uh which means that this guy is going back in time and he's trying to change certain things. But even the little things are really, really hard to change. Stubborn. Like, it it will
0: not, it will not be changed. It it resists change.
2: Mm -hmm. Because it, this is the only time probably in my life I've been able to use this statement correctly. It is what it is. It's true. Hmm. That's, that's it. That's the only time. So, uh, all right. So let's, let's talk about some of those problems with prophecy. Skeptics like James Randi will tell us that most prophecies only become predictive in the eyes of people Looking back in reference to something that already happened, what we mean is some kind of post diction, some retroactive divination right
1: yeah, they're translated in a way that makes sense to the recent events around them
2: exactly exactly so with with that in mind, what we hope uh, what we hope to explore today is whether there are prophecies that clearly delineated something that happened in the future, whether there were prophets who did so. Whether the, uh, at least in the cases we're looking at, and uh whether the other part is true, whether the fans or the advocates or the believers in these prophecies said years after an event, oh, totally, you predicted World War II. It's A lot of it,
0: too, has to do with the language of the prophecy. And uh,
2: one of the first
0: ones we're going to get into, very well-known uh, prophet Nostradamus, his were almost written like in the form of riddles or these kind of weird <laughs> right. little aphorisms mm-hmm. that, you know, sort of like the fortune cookie, you know, can, you could apply it to something if you choose, if you see an event and you say, oh, well, you know, here's a thing, it's kind of relate. Mm-hmm. You can make a jump and a leap and get there if you want to. Um Some of them are weirder than others, as we'll discuss, but again, it's all about the language and prophecy, prophecies do tend not to be, this thing is going to happen on this day and it's going to be just like this. They're usually much more vague and open-ended. So,
2: so I have a, I have a, sh- uh, a funny, well, it's not, it wasn't funny to me, but it might give uh, everybody a chuckle. Uh, I have a funny story about Nostradamus. When I was a wee young tyke, uh, one of my uncles who has always been into fringe kind of theories and he's still, he's still a hard person to read. He, would occasionally just send me books out of the blue. And one of the books that I received from him was a book about Nostradamus's Prophecies for the End of the World. And this was probably a book that was over my head at the time, and it was also on the cusp of the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. So I read this one question, and it had this, this strange, um strange phrasing, but it was something like, In 1996, build your house out of rock and sticks. War and fire will sweep over the land. And they did like O apostrophe ER, which Mm -hmm. to me was super, like super legit at the time. And then I was convinced that, uh, the end of the world or the, the end of the city would occur in during the 1996 Olympics. And I was, I'm. Being dead serious, you guys, I was terrified to go into the city. I was certain that this mass market paperback had accurately predicted future. And my mom made me go to one thing, and the rest of the time I stayed home. Then the that...
1: bomb went off.
2: Right, yes, exactly. And then the uh, there was a bombing at the, at the Olympics that year. But uh, civilization soldiered on.
1: But that must have been creepy for you at the time. To see on the news or something here, somebody talking about it.
2: I was convinced that the ancient wisdom of Nostradamus had saved my life. And for, and that was for a couple of, couple of years, but then we started to look at the interpretations and, and a lot of people are aware of Nostradamus skeptics and believers alike. So let's get into it, you guys. Who, who is this dude?
0: So his full name was Michel de Nostradama. Um, and he went by the, the street name, I suppose you could say Nostradamus. <laughs> hell? Um, one of my favorite hip-hop names of all times is Flostradamus.
2: Yes. That's fantastic. Just throwing that <laughs> out
0: there. But um, so according to most sources, he was born in December of 1503 and died in uh, 1566 he made a living as, like, a an apothecary sort of, um, you know. A pharmacist. Uh, exactly, a, a precursor to a pharmacist. Uh, but today, he's much more well-known, regarded as a, a soothsayer or a prophet, as we're talking about. Uh, in 1555, he published a book called Les Propheties, which remains uh, relatively popular even to this day, and has been translated into numerous languages. Um Today, you can find the full copyright-free PDF of this in the public domain. Uh, you can get it on archive.org. Courtesy of the Library of
1: Congress. Though it should be noted, uh, and this was a note, something I was going to bring up, we're talking about how these things are interpreted. They're also translated, literally, quite yes. literally, because the original version was written in French, Le Prophéties," and... The one that you can find that we mentioned that PDF is completely in French and you can just imagine the little nuances that get lost as it gets changed over to English or to Spanish or I mean, you know, in the romance languages it might be even more similar, but then imagine if it's translated, let's say, I don't know, uh to Mandarin or something mm-hmm. like that, and people are using these prophecies as and trying to translate them. Oh man, and having been out of the college game
0: for a minute, it I only recently occurred to me again how important, um, translators are for, you know, works of philosophy and how you become like the preeminent, um, voice, you know, in terms of translating a particular, you know, writer and -hmm. because you are literally creating the interpretation of this work that is going to be consumed and taught and, you know, uh, passed around. And a lot of times that word interpretation definitely applies. I mean, it has to.
2: And it goes, it goes back. That's so interesting because it goes back to what we're talking about with Oracles, right? Uh, the, uh, uh, the priestess or the sibyl and the, in the interpreter, the intermediate. The medium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, this is, this is great. That we're getting to this part because it's not just modern French. It's French from the 1500s, yeah. sort of like like Middle English or something. You right. Know? It's difficult yeah. to – It's it, it would be very, very difficult. Although I do love – one thing I love about spoken French at least is that everything rhymes. Do you guys ever think about how easy it must be to rap in French?
0: Well, it's yeah, really right. interesting I, French rap, actually. Yeah.
2: No. Really You're great. right.
0: I didn't think about that, but it flows – Very nice.
2: It it flows, it does. And so Nostradamus' predictions are written, as we said, in this French, and they're grouped in a peculiar way. They're grouped in four line stanzas, quatrains, that, um, observe or maybe warn about vague events or very symbolistic. Uh, the, the stanzas themselves are grouped into, uh, units of a hundred called centuries. And as we said, it's all about the interpretation. So let's talk about some of the specific prophecies that Nostradamus made.
1: Should we go ahead and jump right in to the old September 11th, 2001 attacks? Why not, man? I'm not an
2: eight and a half yards kind of guy.
1: Okay. That's where we're going. Uh, let's, let's get into the English translation that old Matt Frederick here. O-L apostrophe, Matt Frederick, or however you want to translate How about, to that. Ole Matt Frederick. Ole Matt Frederick. Get on with it, old. <laughs> Alright, here we go. <laughs> Volcanic fire from the center of the earth will cause trembling around the new city. Two great rocks will make war for a long time. Then Arusa will redden a new river.
2: Yeah, uh, Ruth's uh, side note is a nymph who turned into a fountain in her story. Uh, so that's one translation. But is, the pa- I don't yeah. know if this is the
0: same one. I found another version. Apparently there were quite a few oh, yes. Yes. folks tossed oh, around yes. about 9-11. This one has some similar ideas, but it's, In the city of God there will be a great thunder, two brothers torn apart by chaos while the fortress endures. The great leader will succumb. The third big war will begin when the big city is burning.
1: That is an interesting one, actually, because I've seen the imagery in there matches up really well with what we saw on the news and what kind of happened. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the fortune cookie mentality. Yeah, you know, yeah. you
0: can fit it in. You can totally box it in if you think, wow, those are some big burly images that he's talking about. And like you can connect them with, you know, to the twins, the, the two buildings, the know? fortress
2: of uh, the Pentagon,
1: which still stands.
2: Also, the qualification of posting something on the internet is entirely the ability to have an internet connection. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. So, and I remember yeah. this
0: one. This was, this was right when everything went down, uh, and everyone was talking about the nostrums connection. This one was totally doctored and is made up. but you may remember this. It was. Two steel birds will fall from the sky yeah. on the metropolis. The sky will burn at 45 degrees latitude. Fire approaches what? the great new city. Yeah. Immediately a huge scattered flame leaps up. Within months rivers will flow with blood. The undead will roam the earth for a little time. Totally fabricated. Someone just took the flavor of Nostradamus and added maybe a couple of lines from one of the quatrains and dumped this out and it was making the rounds. Well, I remember seeing this two steel birds and they didn't have steel. See, I in think, I
1: think the steel birds line is actually taken from another prophet that we're going to speak about a little later. Okay. Yeah. So this yeah. is definitely attributed to Nostradamus at the time. Mm-hmm. It's completely bunk.
2: And that's, yeah, that's another thing. Nostradamus also, uh, all right. So we know that there are some bunk translations. We know that there are people who said, yeah, why don't I, uh, just stick a line about New York in here and see what the internet <laughs> thinks. And that's why we have Nostradamus, this guy writing in, uh, The 1500s, allegedly, according to the Internet, saying stuff like New York, the 11th day of the ninth month. Yeah.
1: And again, not the way any of these were laid out. Okay, I'm going to play I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a moment Uh, on the side of someone who perhaps can see beyond the veil for a moment in a fleeting glance of something. Yeah. Imagine that you have no context for what New York City looks like or for what a city or a building or anything that you're looking at looks like. Like, imagine you're getting a glimpse of a futuristic city Mm -hmm. hundreds of years from now, and you have no idea what anything is. You don't know what the names are, but you see two things that look similar to a plane for sure attacking something. I mean, it's it's interesting to me imagining uh, how I would write down on a piece of paper oh, what no. I was seeing if I could somehow see that.
0: And, and potentially a very cool literary device. I can't pick, pick it out right now, but I feel like I've seen that before in a movie or in like a novel mm-hmm. where there's someone has had a prophecy and they describe it in these kind of like, uh, very, um, rudimentary terms, something that'll happen in the future where it's like the great, turtle will rise
1: from the sea and, you know, things like yeah. that, where it's like, maybe it's like a warship or something, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's like cargo cults, Ben, that we've talked about right. before.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cargo cults, people recall, uh, is a, it's a term that might be somewhat derogatory, as a cult can be, uh, for people who are living in isolated areas in the Pacific Ocean, isolated islands, and they would see cargo dropped and uh, see airplanes for the first time and And service members of various wars. Uh, there is, or there was, uh, within your lifetimes, listener, there, there was a, uh, active cargo cult that worshiped Prince Philip. Uh, and they would build towers, uh, or radio towers in an attempt to summon these things from the sky again. Well, he is kind of dreamy.
6: craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's radios iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Ravs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Is he?
1: Yeah. But just the idea that there's there's not a lot of context for sure. for that group of of people who have seen something that's beyond their understanding that has done something good for them. Oh totally. I think I that's a
2: great. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great argument. I'm glad you make it because we've heard arguments about that in uh biblical texts, right? I I can't remember if it's I think it's Old Testament. Yeah, it's got to be Old Testament where uh Ezekiel has a vision of what he says burning chariots. Uh-huh, it's not chariot, a burning chariot, fire, fire, something like that. Wheels within wheels mm-hmm. and that description is Clearly someone trying to be very specific about some bizarre spectacle, but not, maybe not quite knowing what it is, which has led, you know, ancient alien people to say that it's some sort of, uh, visitation extraterrestrial. But that's a story for a different day.
1: It is. It is. It is. But I just have thrown Viamanas. That's one of the coolest things the the idea of the flying ships from and ancient it, Indian texts.
2: Ancient nuclear war, huh? Yeah, dude.
1: The Nazis believed in it, it. it. It's also
0: interesting too the the way you you can sort of divide prophets up into the into two camps. I mean, you have these religious leader prophets mm. that are communicating with said deities that are in charge of whatever faith they represent, and then you have these Nostradamus soothsayer type prophets that are more about looking at the big picture. They're not necessarily saying they got a message from God. They're just saying they can see you know beyond and see into the future. Future. And they're both kind of you know considered prophets, but they sort of have their own little game going on, right?
2: Know? Well, in, yeah. And in Nostrad- Nostradamus' time, it was um, apostasy or, or de- denial of religion. Technically, it's like this huge crime. So, it I, you know, it's it's strange when you think about that too, because most of the prophets we see have, or people who believe they are prophets, have some sort of spiritual nature, and sometimes it's. I'll say it. Sometimes they believe they have discovered it independently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the nicest way to say it. There's another one since we started at nine eleven.
1: Well, yeah. And, and since you said the Nazis did believe perhaps in the ancient nuclear war.
2: Yes. Uh, did Nostradamus predict the rise of Hitler and the beginning of World War II? In the place very near, not
0: far from Venus... The two greatest ones of Asia and of Africa. From the Rhine and Hister, they will be said to have come. Cries, tears at Malta
1: and the Ligurian side.
2: Hmm, Hister, huh? That sounds pretty close.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think, I don't think that's what they're, or perhaps, okay, just have to say, it's a, it's a river, right? Hister is a river. The Rhine is a river. They are, in Germany, or at least on the western side of Germany, the Rhine is there, and then the
2: history, I don't know exactly where it it's the Latin name for like the lower stretch of the Danube. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that sounds weird. Here's just to show everybody how different these translations can be. Uh, we've got the original French here, which I'm not gonna butcher, but then someone else translates it to, now remember what, um, what we just heard from Noel earlier. Someone else says, Beast wild with hunger shall cross the rivers. Most of the fighting shall be close by the Hister. It shall result in the great one being dragged in an iron cage, while the Germans shall be watching over the infant Rhine. What?
1: Vastly, took a, vastly took a bit different. of a jump there,
2: didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so, what part of that is fabricated, right? Uh, so again, you can read various interpretations of this, especially with Nostradamus in mind, because there are so many. So many translations that are people actually trying to transliterate. I mean, the original is so innocuous. It's just,
0: it's like in a place (laughs) not far from Venus. (laughs) Like, like it's how much more vague can you be? And then it gets, it gets more specific and they will be said to have come, cries, tears at Malta and the Ligurian side. It's just so open-ended, you know, that mm-hmm. you can just shoehorn whatever idea you want into that if you choose.
2: Now, is that what you think's happening?
0: I think it's what's happening yeah. with this other translation that you're talking about. And I yeah. think, like you say, it's, it's, you, you, if you get excited about the idea that maybe this guy really did have something, your brain starts to make all these leaps and mm-hmm. fill in the gaps and, you know, kind of like a, what is it, confirmation bias kind of? Yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: This, this makes me think about. So many other things we've looked at, the um, psychotronic studies in the USSR uh, in the aftermath of World War II, the various MK Ultra type experiments people have tried to conduct with, uh, or um what was it Stargate with Ingo Swan? Yes. Where people were trying to access what they were certain was an extrasensory ability. I'm not here to say that that stuff conclusively doesn't exist. Uh Though it is true that governments have spent a lot of money on things that ultimately didn't pan out. Well, yeah,
1: much. and that's why we had to do right. We talked about this, but we, the reason why the United States government had to do research into this uh this this subject is because it was being done by the other side. And if the other side somehow unlocked psychic powers or these, you know, ways to see through buildings and perhaps even move through them, and we didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're in trouble if they've got X-Men and we don't.
2: But, yeah, but, okay, I while I get that, it's also somewhat disingenuous. And I know this is a bit of a different topic. It's disingenuous, uh, at least on the part of some members of the military the bureaucracy because clearly it's war is good for a, the winners economy right uh so it's also a way to rationalize more spending oh watch out this weird thing i mean remember we live in a country where mere decades ago someone said what if we could make a bomb that would just turn people gay yeah What if we just, why don't we just try that and let's spend a couple, let's spend a couple mil on it and just see if that's a real thing. Uh, all right. So we should mention though, one common misinterpretation about Nostradamus is that he created all of his work independently. That is not true. He pulled, there's pretty convincing evidence that he pulled from existing literature of his time, histories, things like that. So a lot of his work. Is referential, but not necessarily referring to future events. It's referring to or alluding to existing works in his time in the 1500s, uh, similar to the way that T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland refers so heavily and is so elusive uh, in terms of it, how it leans on other existing works. So some of these prophecies or these translations, or more amalgamations of other things. He didn't write this all independently. And he didn't predict the end of the world, the Mayan cycle, which itself is kind of based on a mistranslation, in 2012. Instead, he said his prophecies extend from now to the year 3797 or something like that. That is a long time from now. (laughs) That's a while. A
1: really long time from
2: 1555. But his major astrological source at the time, Richard Rousseau, uh, said that 2242 might be a date for the end of the world. Uh, I don't remember the arcane logic they use. And 3797 minus 1555 when he published the book is 2242.
1: I don't know, man. I was gonna say 2241. That's probably a better, better year. I it's know. just so funny because when you, it mm. doesn't matter who you are. I don't care how popular you are among any circles. If you just throw out a number like that, mm-hmm. I don't
2: know. Well, I'll throw, I'll throw out a, a number for you. Um, well, I, I can't, I know this is weird because I can't tell you much about the person who told me this, but I am convinced by this source. The world is ending for someone or some group of people like every, every day. And every year there are between 50 and 200 apocalyptic groups who believe that this is it, it is a big finish. And without. Without uh, being disrespectful or dismissing these people's beliefs, I will say that there's something inherently narcissistic and self-centered to assume that a thing that existed for thousands of years is going to stop. That, and you showed up just in time
1: You mean like civilization itself or right. Uh, gotcha. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, there's something inherently not selfish, but self important about that. And so far, the one thing that all apocalyptic groups have in common is that they have not accurately predicted the end of the world. You know, my favorite end of the world, um, Prophecy is? What's that?
0: Are you guys familiar with the Church of the Subgenius?
4: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So
0: they celebrate this uh, holiday every year on July 5th called X Day. And, um, initially X Day was supposed to be the end of the world and it was supposed to be on July 5th, 1998, at which point, um, an alien race, uh, known as the Exists or men from planet X would come to Earth and destroy the world and rid the world of the quote, normals or pinks or glorps, which are the non subgenii that inhabit the planet. Uh, but, you know, as, as, you know, from time to time happens, everyone makes mistakes. The, um, uh, creators of the Church of the Subgenius, got the calendar date wrong uh, and apparently looked at it upside down. So it's actually going to take place in the year 8661. Wow! Um, so that gives them plenty of padding. Really hedging have their, their bets uh, there. Yeah. Have their, you know, their parties up until the, uh, the new end of the world. Comes. And so I love, I, yeah. I love sub because it takes all the wind out of these kind of end of the world death conspiracies, you know, and just sort mm-hmm. of like, uh, it's very tongue in cheek and uh, yeah, I'm a big fan.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, again, you guys know that I have a a fascination with alternative religious beliefs, I guess, is the most fair way to dance around the word cults. But the um, the thing that fascinates me is that there are so many instances where someone predicts the end of the world. And, you know, apocalypse or an apocalyptic event does not necessarily mean the end of the world. We use it that way in English today, but what it means at heart is the revealing of hidden things. So that revelation, right, the end of the world, it's become conflated or synonymous in modern speech. But a lot of these groups uh, will talk more in terms of a, a great spiritual revelation. And when they are wrong, if the date comes and it passes, then there's a wealth of uh, a plethora, and I am using that word correctly, of uh, reasons that the the thing will have to be adjusted. So kudos to the subgenius church mm-hmm. for uh, moving it, giving themselves a little bit of a buffer. I hope they make it to the 800s, 8,000s. God. Okay, so next is someone who might be a deep cut for uh, some listeners. This actually might be new to some of you out there, and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, let's talk about the Nostradamus of the Balkans, as she is sometimes called.
1: You're going to have to say her name.
2: <laughs> Baba Vanga, like Baba Yaga, the, the Russian witch of folklore, but Baba Vanga. Born uh, Vangelia Pandeva Dimitrova in January 1911. She was, uh, in, she was born in what was then known as the Ottoman Empire. And when she was born, she was completely normal until mm-hmm. the age of 12.
1: Yeah, and allegedly, or at least according to stories, she was blinded. During a storm that occurred when she was only 12 years old. I almost
2: wanted to sing blinded by the light.
1: <laughs> no, that's messed up, Ben. And don't do that. I won't. Um, but, yeah, so she was missing for a number of days at some point. She had that kind of mystical thing where she's disappeared, but now she's returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, her eyes were, when she returned, sealed shut. And her family couldn't afford to get them fixed, couldn't take her to the doctor or the, uh yeah, let's say the doctor. So she was going to be blind for the rest of her life.
2: But. Yeah, she was going to have that sense replaced, at least according to her and her supporters. She claimed she began having visions during the first few days of her disappearance.
0: And that's a super common trope in, you know, historical accounts of. Um, prophets or sibyls, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, that's a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the blind prophet, you know. Yes, in and mythology and literature, and, and also, yeah, in history, yeah, or, in
1: history. Yeah, exactly. and leaving and not being seen for a, a period of time, then returning, and then this completely changed new thing.
0: And you know, that right? goes
2: back to Joseph Campbell, right?
0: I was saying when that, that, that period of disappearance is when, mm-hmm. you know, some significant event took place and changed the person's perspective forever.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would recommend Hero with a Thousand Faces or Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell to learn some more of that. This happened in, in real life. She believed that because of her visions and her quest, she could predict the future and heal people, uh, using otherworldly powers and scientists and government officials, not to mention the wealthy came to visit her for advice. According to the story, she served as an advisor to the Bulgarian communist party leaders who would ask her questions to advance their cause right in the great, in the great game of geopolitical intrigue. Uh, She was kept under surveillance by the secret police and politicians and businessmen would come meet with her And that I can believe because if you're secret police, you want to bug those conversations.
1: Yeah, even if, even if what she's telling them is completely untrue, just having those individuals in a room speaking, yeah, we're, we're going to bug that if we're in charge.
2: So let's talk about her specific prophecies, right? According to, uh, the Independent, uh, she, allegedly predicted the 44th U.S. president would be black, also the last president, which is predictions of who will be the last president are distressingly common. Uh, And I think a lot of them are made up by people on the Internet. Uh, But as well, she is thought to have predicted uh, 9-11. And we we have the quote from The Guardian here.
0: And here's that image that seemed to crop up and that was uh, attributed to Nostradamus. Horror! Horror! The American brethren will fall after being attacked by the steel birds. The wolves will be howling in a bush, and innocent blood will gush. So clearly, that steel birds imagery was pilfered from this and mm. kind of connected with some Nostradamus lines, and then you know thrown out there on the internet for
2: fun. Now, one study, or uh, one one study <laughs> yeah. says that she was eighty percent accurate. Uh, I have a hard time believing this. This came from Dr. Georgi Lozanov, uh, who is director of the Institute of, I'm not making this up, Suggestology and Parapsychology in Sofia, Bulgaria. And uh, huh. he said that. He, I like that word, suggestology. Suggestology. Yeah. sounds very subgenius, really doesn't it? It does, yeah. Uh, so there's also, uh, th- here's the thing, though. This was a legit place. At 30 staff members. The Bulgarian government was paying for it they thought that a lot of Baba Vanga's predictive abilities, especially the stuff where she was looking for lost relatives and friends, were pretty accurate. However, the issue with this is uh, you can find it in the methodology. I'll, I'll post this online if anybody wants to check it out, but we've talked before about parapsychology experiments and how easy it is to how easy it is to do something that renders the experiment unsound um anyhow there's also the additional side note that many of the people who were close to baba vanga during her life claim she never made prophecies attributed to her on the internet uh she died in 1996 and she left behind several other alleged predictions for the future uh vice has a good vice has a good article on it and we can check in with that maybe toward the close of the show. Well, let's move on because uh, I I can't wait to see what other people say about Baba Vanka, but we would be remiss if we did not talk about another another prophet or seer that you, ladies and gentlemen, have asked us to check out for a while now.
1: Yeah, and it's also getting a little bit closer to the present day, which is kind of cool. So it's somebody that actually has stuff written down about them, perhaps Mm -hmm. even... Books that are published with English that we will be able to understand readily. Right. Oh, also our first English speaker. That's correct. Of this, of this run.
0: And that goes to Mr. Edgar Casey. Casey was born in March of 1877 and passed away in January of 1945. He had a pretty interesting alias, I guess you could say, uh, which was the sleeping prophet because he would go into these trances these kind of like fugue states reveries uh, when he was diagnosing
1: illnesses or recounting ancient wisdom or just making these different predictions that that is fascinating to me and a lot of the i would say pop culture references to a lot of things where someone will go into a trance and then make a prediction like this i feel like it's especially in film goes back to maybe being influenced by this guy also some of the theatrics of uh you know Communicating
0: with spirits in the seance or something mm-hmm. where, you know, the medium would sort of rock back and forth and enter into this, uh, this trance-like state and then be inhabited by the spirit of a past loved one, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah. as we know, a lot of that was, you know, largely theater, but definitely was a very, uh, impactful presentation for folks of the time, for sure.
6: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
7: Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bones Show here to tell you the National Sales Event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an Adventure Ready Rav Four. Let's go! So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: And as we said before, this guy is uh, very well documented. Perhaps the most well documented prophet that we know of, and uh, we even know a lot about his history growing up in an early life.
2: Right. Yeah. You can you can find various different accounts. We'll read one from someone who. Uh, we'll read one from Edgar Casey on Atlantis, uh, which was which contains several statements about his beliefs regarding Atlantis, delivered under his trance, uh, edited by the director of the Association for Research and Enlightenment, Hugh Lynn Casey, a descendant. Uh, and we'll also talk about the uh, ARE a little bit, too. So the thing is that um, he was supposed to be, in his waking life, pretty good husband, solid father, uh, taught Sunday school, pretty nice guy, gifted prote- professional photographer. But when he was in a trance, He became a medical diagnostician, a prophet, a proponent of biblical lore. So even as a child in Kentucky, uh, his parents said that he displayed powers of perception that seemed to go beyond the five senses. At the age six or seven, he told his parents he was able to see and talk to visions, sometimes of dead relatives. Mm. Uh, One of my favorite stories about him, his parents said that he probably had an overactive imagination. But one of uh, my favorite stories is that apparently he was able to learn by some sort of strange osmosis, uh, sleeping with his head on school books. He got a photographic memory, which helped him advance rapidly in school. This faded, uh, as he grew older and he was only able to comp- uh, complete the seventh grade of formal Whoa. education. Uh, so he started. Uh, to develop a paralysis of the throat muscles in 1898 and was in his early twenties. Doctors weren't able to find a cause for this condition. Uh, so they tried everything. They, they tried hypnosis too. And then in desperation, Casey apparently asked one of his friends to help him achieve the same kind of trance he had used when he was, uh, sleeping on school books as a kid. And then all of a sudden he, uh, did the old diagnose thyself physician kind of thing. And he got medicine and recommended a therapy that restored his voice, cured his throat. Group of doctors came by and started asking him to diagnose their own patients. One thing leads to another. Wow, really? And, uh, yeah, and he becomes the sleeping prophet. So when he dies in 45, um, in Virginia, he left well over 14,000 documented stenographic records of the statements he had given for more than 8,000 different people over 43 years. Jeez. So we got a lot of stuff on him. So the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which we mentioned, exists today. It is a nonprofit organization founded to facilitate the study of his work. You can see their website uh, right now. It's EdgarCasey.org. I mean, if you're driving or something, don't don't do it while you're driving. Yeah. And see, perhaps uh he has a prediction that applies to you. Or does he? Because here is the thing about Edgar Casey, ladies and gentlemen. He because he is so well documented, we also know a lot of what he got wrong. Not interpretively wrong, but factually inaccurate. One example that really sticks out is that. He said the Piltdown man was real, the Piltdown man being a yes. famous hoax where the jaw of an orangutan was combined with the cranium of a modern human to argue that there was this uh, evidence of human evolution in uh, in the area of its discovery, which is Piltdown in East Sussex uh, so Edgar Casey, however, said that this was um, Evidence of an Atlantean uh, race or an, uh, someone who survived in Atlantis or was from Atlantis, uh, a colonizer specifically who had traveled to Britain. And in 1953, uh, a little bit after Casey's death, it was exposed as a hoax. Uh, he read through the Bible entirely each year and this helped him reconcile his Christian beliefs with the metaphysical stuff. He he said while he was in a trance, he's often called one of the founders of the New Age movement. However, critics say that he, uh, cr- critics say that he cribbed some stuff from other authors like Carl Jung or Helena uh, Blavatsky from the Theosophy movement. I don't know if that's necessarily plagiarism, though. If it is a real trance, people might just be free associating. You know what I mean? We've all been in that area between sleep and wakefulness, where sleep paralysis occurs and where thoughts spring unbidden. You know, you're singing a song you love and then realize it doesn't exist in the real world and that your mind is writing it for you. Pretty sure I'm there right now, Ben. <laughs> so uh, most of the weirder beliefs about Atlantis come from Casey. So when you hear people talk about it, fantastically advanced civilization brought to ruin by um, meddling with uh, strange powers. Uh, some of that comes from Casey. And if you would like to learn more about Edgar Casey, you can, again, check out their website, org. Uh, you, you can also, let's see, I would... There like, are a ton of books. Yeah, I mean, there are a ton of books, but I recommend looking at stuff from that society, because at least, although they definitely are starting with the opinion that the guy is correct. Uh, they're also using the actual translation. So you won't run okay. into a Nostradamus thing where someone made it up.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So start with the materials from EdgarCasey.org, and then maybe move on uh, to another spot, get some other books and stuff like that, if you really want to deep, delve deep into this. I do like the header The header on the page
0: is Edgar Casey's R. ARE, which stands for Association
1: for Research and Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Active since 1931. They do have a health spa center. Did you mention that already? Cause you can go, you can go there. I mean, if you really want to get into this, head on out. Mm. Where is it? Where's the main, uh, main office? Looks like it's in Virginia
2: Beach, Virginia mm. Beach, Virginia. Right. That's where, uh, he was living at the time. I mean, some folks that live way. There. I'm
0: going to have to see what the, what the scene is like.
2: It'd be nice to, uh, it'd be nice to visit that. Here's another prediction that he got wrong. It seems that the U.S. would discover an Atlantean death ray, as in a death ray from the lost civilization of Atlantis in 1958. Got it wrong. Or did he, Ben? He beat me to the punch. We don't know at this point. Perhaps sometime we will in the future. We do want to end, however, on something a little bit different. We're talking about secrets, so let's not just talk about another secret. Let's talk about three at once. And that would be the three secrets of Fatima. This is a little bit different because it doesn't involve, um, it doesn't involve lifelong career Sort of prophets, you know, like Edgar Casey, Nostradamus, Baba Vanga, spent decades uh, making predictions. Uh, this, however, is this, however, is something different that involves apparently divine, direct divine intervention. So these three young Portuguese shepherds, Lucia Santos primarily, and then her cousins, are visited by an apparition of the Virgin Mary several times, starting on the 13th of May, 1917. They said they were visited six times between May and October that year. Uh, Now this apparition is popularly known as Our Lady of Fatima. She entrusted the children with three secrets in July of 1917. Two of these secrets were revealed in 1941 at the request of a bishop named José Alvaz Correa del Silva, um, and he wanted to assist with the publication of a new edition of a book on one of the cousins. As for the third secret, the bishop ordered her to put it in writing. Lucia wrote it down, sealed it in an envelope that was not supposed to be opened until 1960 when it would, quote, appear clearer. The text of this third secret was officially released by Pope John Paul the second in 2000 or, or was it because some people claim that it was not the entire secret.
1: And we will never know for sure because only a few people were actually in control of that information.
2: Right. Yeah. It reminds me of when we did some of the, um, we did some of our earlier episodes on the, uh, the, the restricted material in the Vatican archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause the secret, Archives of the Vatican are real, but they're using secret in a different way. It's still tricky though, because you can request something if you know exactly what you're requesting.
1: Yeah. I feel like someone should make a list of all possible things that could ever exist and then just submit them daily
2: mm-hmm. to the Vatican. Well, what, what are the, what are the secrets? Ah, yes. Great question. Okay. So the first secret is a vision of hell. I've got some of the text. Our Lady showed us a great sea of fire which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in this fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze. And it goes on.
5: Cool.
2: The second was a statement that World War I would end, along with a prediction of another war during the reign of Pope Pius. Uh, and then that would happen if Russia did not convert. Catholicism.
1: Yeah. So basically, one is a vision of hell. One is about communist Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the third one, though.
2: The third one, at least uh, the way it was published, was that there would be an assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II. And that's the crazy thing. There was. Yep. So the thing is that there actually was an assassination attempt on uh, Pope Don Paul, which occurred on the 13th of May in 1981. You can see a video of that if you wish and just head on over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And people have thought about this back and forth, you know, that it is actually a prophecy or is it just something that would happen? Because the Pope is up there with the U.S. president or other heads of state who would be much more likely than the average person to have an assassination attempt occur. Perhaps even higher
1: because of the, the vitriol that you can have between religions.
2: Mm-hmm. So in June of 2000, uh, the Vatican finally released this, uh, th- this secret. Uh, but... There, there have been several other people who were involved with it, uh, who said that, um, that the, the handwritten four page text is not the real secret or not the full thing. And they believe that the third secret is actually composed of two texts. One of those is the four page published version. The other is a single page letter, uh, containing the, the real truth. And there are Italian mm-hmm. journalists like Antonio Soshi, um, who say that, Uh, they have proof that there's a second secret. All right, and here's here's just some of the proof quickly. Uh, Lucia Santos says she wrote the message in the form of a signed letter to the bishop. The text is supposed to contain words attributed to the Virgin Mary, which the published one doesn't really. Uh, The full secret, bishops working with Pope Pius, Pope John, and Pope Paul all commented that the text was written on one sheet of paper, not four, and the full secret, according to these people, contains information about the apocalypse, a great apostasy, and satanic infiltration of the Catholic Church.
1: Ooh, and then you would hear, I remember a couple of years ago you heard a lot about, oh gosh, uh, what is the name of the pope that is prior to the one we currently have, and then after Pope John Paul II? It was Ratzinger. Yeah. Ratzinger, okay. that I remember hearing lots and lots of, people talking about Ratzinger being this version of these prophecies where he had infiltrated and his group had infiltrated and they were evil. That's the thing about prophecies. I mean,
0: it's so easy to let your imagination run wild and mm-hmm. use it to confirm something that you already believe, you know, like this Pope feels like an outsider or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Right. You know.
2: And to be totally, to be totally fair here, uh, one of the people who served as Vatican Secretary of State until twenty thirteen, a Cardinal Bertoni, uh wrote a book called The Last Secret of Fatima. And uh he published it in Italian English and it has an interview that touches on this, where uh the, the journalist a journalist named Giuseppe Di Carle is interviewing um is interviewing the Cardinal and he says, well, what about this rumor that you're concealing a one page text of the third secret that predicts Rome will lose the faith and become the throne of the Antichrist? And the Cardinal, I just want to read this to mm-hmm. be fair. The Cardinal says, that's absolutely crazy. Are you claiming that the prophecy of Fatima is about the apostasy of the Church of Rome and Fatima is a prediction of Rome's transformation into the throne of the Antichrist? Despite the love Our Lady, capitalized Our Lady of Fatima, mm-hmm. has for the Pope and the Popes for Our Lady, anyone can write books can based on conspiracy theories, unbiased interpretations. Anyone can take sentences out of context and present them as clues to some supposed plot to avoid divulging the truth and to transmit it in a code that only the initiates can understand. No, the whole theory you allude to is a fabrication. And this supposedly factual account is actually the sort of device the Masons used to invent to discredit the church. I'm surprised Whoa. that journalists and writers who claim to be Catholic let themselves be taken in. Strong words.
1: Really strong words. Mm-hmm. Sounds like somebody, I, I don't My brain goes, oh, boy, this guy sounds guilty. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that's.
2: Well, he might also just be irritated with having heard that.
1: Right? I mean, I can imagine how irritating that would be. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, to fight back that hard.
2: Well, that's also, that's our, that's where we're ending. Just because this is a thing where it's not, as far as the Catholic Church is concerned, this is not a matter of interpretation. This is a true foretelling of an event before it occurred. And the other three examples Um, Casey, Baba Vanga, and Nostradamus are all a little bit more muddy. Mm -hmm. And I know we didn't get to everything, but there are so many prophets. No, but
0: it sure is interesting to have these prophecies like officially sanctioned by such a, you know, an important body as, Mm -hmm. you know, the Holy Roman Catholic Church. It's pretty
1: intense. There are a lot of, there are a lot of interesting. Things that we could talk about regarding the power structure of the Catholic Church, not the faith or religion in any way. Uh, we've discussed it a bit in the past, but they're just some fascinating things. I think we got into it when we were talking about possessions mm. and the just some, some old things that still exist
2: now in the Catholic Church. Are you referring to the official exorcism? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That is, that is a true and fascinating thing. Oh, we would like your help. Folks, uh, do you have any prophets that you would like us to look into in the future or prophecies? Uh, because we'll tell you right now, one thing in our experience that occurred was that it was surprisingly difficult to find some of the actual, like the, what, what our, some of our coworkers would call the actual facts mm-hmm. translations, uh, and, and to separate the chaff from the wheat you know uh, the internet echo chamber but we would like to hear some more people that we should check out and i gotta ask i gotta ask you guys uh i know that we went on some tangents and discovered some future episodes we could cover but uh what do you think about upcoming prophecies and what do what do you think we had talked about this before do you think that software and big data will eventually be able to do what Human beings have been trying to do
1: predict disasters and changes, big global changes like that. I mean, we've, I think so. I think we're going to get darn close. I mean, I'm sure there are folks hard at work at it. Yeah. Speak. yeah Dr-
2: some of my old professors actually.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the guy who's making the, the huge map uh, or the uh, simulation. Yeah. That's super cool.
0: Not to mention things like predicting trends in, you know, commerce in the stock Mm -hmm. market. I mean, that's a whole Mm -hmm. other world. That's
2: true. So how do we get in on this?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, if you know how to do this, uh, give us a – write us an email. We'll tell you how to do that in a minute. Um
2: Right, it's like the old joke about time traveling. Time Traveler Club meets here two days ago.
1: Yeah, we meet every every Wednesday or Thursday here. So come join us in the you know in the booth. Uh-huh. We will allow you to be
2: on here every every time we record. Oh man, what are we going to do if somebody bursts in and uh, Doc Brown style and claims to have uh, traveled through time or to have a prediction of the future? I would hear them out. Absolutely. I don't see the harm. I would give John Teeter my seat. You give him your seat. We could just have him pull up another seat. No,
1: no, I'd just say, Hey man, you go in there. I'm going to stay out here. There's a, there's a chair. There's an extra chair. I don't want any like, I don't know, time radiation. I don't know. I'm scared of that stuff.
2: All right. Well, we'll, we'll table that for future discussion. Uh, barring any, uh, unexpected time travelers arriving, it's, uh, almost time for us to head out. Do you guys have any message for the new year? Uh, well, I
1: just want to say we all didn't die in September of 2015. Uh, there were a lot of people and predictions being made about something crazy happening at that time and they,
2: nothing happened.
1: That's good. Or maybe we did die and now we're just like on the lost
0: island.
2: Oh, how could you tell? That's kind of cool. If this is the afterlife, I got to say, um, I'm, I'm having a good time. It's not so bad. It's not as bad as I thought. See, maybe we've always been making
1: this podcast and we will always be making Mm -hmm. this podcast. It's a flat circle, bro.
2: (laughs) What about you, Noel?
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know. Apparently you're supposed to eat uh,
0: black eyed peas and collard greens and it gives Mm -hmm. you good financial luck. So I'm going to give that a go. Um, mainly, I don't know. No, it's been a good year. Um, still fighting this, uh, this Christmas crud here. So I, I hope that in the new year that I, I
2: don't have a cold. I hope so too, man. Yeah. You know, I was talking to one of my friends recently and she said that people were not supposed to eat lobster or chicken on the new year hmm. because something about like chickens uh, walking or how both animals move backwards or something. I am not sure. I didn't sort it out. But then also, I have failed often to eat the collard greens and black-eyed peas.
0: Well, A friend of mine just suggested it, and it's like, no, you just do it. You have to do it.
2: I'm yeah, like, okay, well, okay. I, I wonder, it's a southern thing, right? I think so. Hoppin' John. They call it Hoppin' Hop John. John. The yeah.
1: Cuban side of my family, we have to eat a certain number of grapes right up to the thing. Yeah. of the thing for luck. There's a lot that. of Santeria stuff that okay. I have to do.
2: Oh, that's cool. So there we are, guys. Uh, we hope that you have adventures. In the New Year's, if you are making resolutions, keep in mind that you are statistically more likely to keep a resolution if you make it almost any other month. Your birthday Mm -hmm. is really good for resolutions. January, out of all 12 months, is the worst month to attempt a resolution. Or don't
1: tell anybody... But your diary or yourself or whatever it is that you use to write down your resolution, don't tell a single human being
2: Mm -hmm. or make a resolution to start doing something in February or doing it in February. Give yourself some breathing. I like
1: that. Unlike the third February
2: third. February third. So you have that one day, the first, the second um, or two days. All right. So, folks, we are going to head out. If you would like to hear our podcast about predicting the future uh, through big data and software, you can find that along with every other podcast we have ever done on our website, com.
1: You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. We are conspiracy stuff on both of those. Huge shout out to The Nerdist for mentioning this podcast. Holy mackerel. Cool. I know we were just honorably mentioned,
2: but still, thanks, Nerdist. It was very nice. I was, very, I was very kind. Uh, you know that's because one of us won that uh, Russian relay game, right? What? <laughs> anyway.
1: And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STD-WYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email.
2: We are